I think I need another cheeseburger I love when West. I don't know how to tell you guys about this, but I got it all figured out. So you guys ready to talk about it right now? It's like we have no fucking idea what it is you're going to tell us, what it is you had confusion about before you told us, and then mm-hmm. we're supposed to agree that, like, now nah, you got it figured out, champ. Let's hear it. That's not, no. That's how I like it, though. So, yeah. Like, I'm I, cool with it. I did drop you a line on our Facebook chat about kind of what it was going to be about. Okay, Alan, what did you extrapolate from, like, hey, I'm gonna start talking about eating stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I was gonna, I was gonna say, I don't, I didn't get a lot, unless I missed a chat. Nope, you didn't miss anything. You just yeah. got like we're gonna talk about about eating stuff, and then I was like, huh? Does he mean like eating stuff you shouldn't eat because you know it's gonna irritate your stomach? Is he talking about like eating wild mushrooms out in the woods because like why not? They look like they're tasty. Uh, yeah. What is he? You know, does he talking about like putting like a rusty screwdriver in your mouth to see what it tastes like? Is rust delicious? I don't know. Yeah, Mur, because in the twenty years that you've known, we've known each other. I mean, we've known each other longer than that. But the twenty years we've been friends, you know that I like love to go on hikes. I'm a big outdoorsman. That's, that's I mean, I, you could find. I have a point system at Bass Pro Shop that's like platinum status. <laughs> they they they're like, hey Wes, we got some new stuff. We got some new uh, Caballero in the back for you. Um, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> Who knows? Caballero, Caballero. Anywho, so my typical standard routine when we get done uh, recording is once I end the call, we all say goodnight, leave. Uh, I then download the audio tracks and the video tracks. The video track takes a little bit longer, so then at that point I go upstairs, typically use the bathroom, crack another beer, and make myself a snack. Uh, more often than not, the length of our recording render Sarah to not be in the living room. Okay. If that makes sense. Usually she's either getting ready for bed, laying down, watching television or in bed. I don't know if you guys recall last week, we got done pretty quick. I think it was like 10 30, 10 45 when we, we caught it at night and Sarah was still in the living room and she said, Oh, were you guys taking a break? No, no. Uh, we're actually done. Oh, wow. I got done early. That's great. Okay. <clears throat> My snack sometimes is something sweet. All right. In this case, sometimes, uh, I mean, it's not, not all the time, but it's about 70 to 80% of the time. <laughs> Four fifths. Uh, there were, there were a, these cheese it sized cinnamon squares that Sarah bought. They have coconut oil on them. She's allergic to coconut, so she couldn't eat them. These are yours. Great. Solemn right next to him was peanut butter. And I got this idea. So mm. did like a slab of peanut butter on there and a dollop or a teardrop size of chocolate syrup on it. I get the first one down. I'm constructing the second. And Sarah says, what are you making? And I point her out and she goes, no, don't eat that. I was like, what do you mean don't eat this? She's like, that is the dog peanut butter. (laughs) I look at the jar and it's a standard, regular, like store brand, you know, Jif, but with a G, uh, (laughs) peanut butter. And so I'm thinking, because she does do snacks for the dog. You know, if we go on a long car ride, she likes to freeze the bone and fill the middle with peanut butter. There's some other things that like peanut, you know, peanut butter centric. I'm thinking, because then she did point out a different jar that we should be eating from. I'm thinking, okay, she bought this econo sized piece of shit peanut butter for the dog. The humans get to eat the organic. To me, whatever, it doesn't matter, but okay. I'll abide by your rules. Then she then says, have you been eating that for a while? And then I'm like, so I tripled down. I'm like, Mm-mm, no, what you just saw is what I've been eating. She's like, good. Cause this is dog specific peanut butter. 
So it's not oh, even nice. not even human peanut butter. And here's the thing, Mer, before you ask a question, because I was like, mm, no, I just had that. I just put one on that cracker that you just saw. She's like, okay, good. Knowing like two weeks ago that I filled an entire graham cracker, like a fucking three <laughs> inch by two inch with an inch of peanut butter and then like four to five Tony Montana lines of fucking chocolate syrup. It was like glop, 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 glop and made like two more. Uh, and did so. Jesus. I can't really ask her any more questions because then that would give up my, you know, no, I didn't need it. Then my cover's blown. Uh, until about tomorrow, this time when she's listened to the beginning at least I of the podcast, and she doesn't she listen, listen to this. She listens to the, uh, the snit bits, the, oh, the clips, know, okay, the TikToks, yeah. clips. she doesn't listen to this entirety. Okay, here's okay. What, what one thing I need to know: what makes a peanut butter specifically a dog peanut butter versus a human peanut butter? And then question number two: were you more concerned that she would think that you were like quote unquote poisoning yourself with the dog peanut butter, or that you were quote wasting her dog's peanut butter on yourself, and the dog being more important than you in this particular situation? All right. So the to answer your first question, I don't know. I haven't looked it up, honestly. Uh, I've been wanting to kind of bury this. I think this is going to be the last conversation I have about it for a long, long time in my subconscious. So I don't know what the difference is between regular human peanut butter and dog peanut butter. I can tell you the taste. There's no difference. I mean, this tasted like <laughs> this tasted delicious. <laughs> uh, to answer your second question her concern of my health versus wasting the dog. It might be the latter. She might. I mean, I don't think she, I don't think she likes seeing me fucking lather up Ritz crackers with inch, inch worth of peanut butter dolloped in, you know, chocolate syrup for my health sake. I don't think she enjoys watching me bow to her cone head this, uh, like that. But I think in this instance, it was probably like, Hey, that's dog peanut butter. That's more expensive than our peanut butter. Yeah. I, I think she's more concerned about you wasting the peanut butter than she is actually you messing up the lining of your stomach. Is I mean, you did say that, hey, we need to pause this little show thing for a minute because i got to take a, <laughs> an e-shit, <laughs> emergency <laughs> shit in the toilet uh-huh. before we start. So I wonder if maybe it's uh, greased you up a little bit inside. I have a feeling that your dog peanut butter is just simply the peanut butter that me and your brother eat that's just ground peanuts with a little bit of salt for flavor in there, and that's all. I have a feeling that that dog peanut butter is probably better than the sugary filled Jif peanut butter that you normally intake. Yeah. So, oh, it's yeah. funny that Murray says that because I was just looking it up, and it says that the real difference between dog peanut butter and many human brands is that it doesn't contain all the extra salt, sugar, oils, and flavorings. Okay. It's pretty much just peanuts. So it's better oh. for you. So the dog is getting a healthier version of the substance you should be consuming in the first place. You probably got yourself nine solid grams of protein and no extra additives or preservatives in there. And the dog, you know what you should do? You should get up tonight with an X-Acto knife, and you should switch the labels of the peanut butter so you can have that sweet deliciousness on top of your graham crackers (laughs) a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, in this instance, I initially felt like, Okay, now that you guys have, and I credit you guys for being good friends and kind of walking me off the edge here, because it almost felt like I got caught eating milk bones, and then I denied it. I was like, mm, no, I, I wasn't eating, the, the, I wasn't eating the dog treats. No, well, no, that's exactly what you did, and I still respect it. I oh yeah, <laughs> you definitely still did that. 
Uh, I'm and I'm not gonna lie. When I looked this up, I was hoping they were like, yeah, we sprinkled a little bit of fucking like chicken livers up in this bitch. Like I was hoping there was something disgusting in there that you didn't pick up on. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. Dog, <laughs> dog estrogen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, oh, but like just fish oils for yeah. your coat. Uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get a thick, rich coat. Yeah, yeah, something for shedding, something for like back, yeah. uh, back dandruff. Yeah. Well, yeah. your heartworms are probably gone. I mean, yeah, yeah. Really you know, I, I feel like I did have a better run the other day. Yeah, this is Let's see bogged down. Now, in terms see, of like I, being greased up, I'm not sure. See, I thought you were going to get into like foods that you know you shouldn't eat that like you just like you can't help yourself, like me and I and almonds. If I eat an almond, my tongue will swell up. However. I like the those goddamn blue diamond almonds where they just like I don't know what they do to them, but they I don't know they put some sort of lacquer on them and then they coat them in the most delicious seasonings that have ever existed to man. And I don't even really know if I like the almonds or if I could just like eat the seasoning on a spoon and I'd be more satisfied. But so I'll do that to myself and then regret it for like three hours while my tongue I literally scratch it with my fucking four fingers. So there's that. So so you willingly do that knowing you're allergic to this. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I've as I've grown older, I've limited myself. I'll maybe only do like maximum ten almonds, and I'm like, okay. yeah, then I'll suffer. Uh, there's what's you call it? Nature Valley makes it. It's called like sweet and salty nut. <laughs> Great name, very marketable. <laughs> They're very tasty, but they have like an almond spread on the bottom of them, and yeah, that'll itch me up. But I can't, I can't deny myself. Sometimes it's like a healthy candy bar. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, yeah, I just I think almond is probably like my least favorite nut. And I get what you're saying. Them blue diamonds, they do have some good flavorings. Like I, I, I'm with you there, but like I don't know. I don't know that if I was slightly allergic to an almond, I'd be like, yeah, like you mean them sweet almonds? <laughs> like they're, they're they're dry as shit. Like they, they absolutely require that flavoring. That's true, but they're like the meatiest of all the nuts. You know what I mean? Like, the, you, you don't have to work for it. I mean, a cashew is a great nut. Don't get me wrong, but they're expensive. They're not marketed quite as well as the almonds are. I think cashews kind of sell That's themselves. True. But the, man, but I mean, you get you get yourself an almond. I mean, you you got yourself you got yourself a good bite. Yeah, some of the, some of the rest I'm a pistachio guy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, those are good. Some of the speaking of that, or almonds and or pistachios. Some of the restaurants are really getting getting into the nut crusted like filet of fish you know salmon or almond crusted pistachio crusted yeah you know? have you seen this Murph? Have, you t- have you dabbled your toe into the nut crusted fish no no i'm not a big fish guy any which way and i think marie and i finally went out to a restaurant for the first time in about five years for our anniversary a week ago mm-hmm. and we had a gift Damn. card that's how old and married we are you say I'll have I'll have this, and then she'll have something at equal or lesser value. Is that yeah. how uh, romantic you were? <laughs> yep. No, I said we got a fifty dollars gift card to the Texas Roadhouse, baby. You order whatever oh. you want off that menu because I'm getting me the cowboy cut bone in ribeye. That's how we're <laughs> rocking this joint. And I had like the weirdest fucking waiter. His name was Brian, and Brian could only be described as every security guard that Chris Farley's ever played, where you kind of like. Came in slow, but had a real fast twitch at the very end. And that motherfucker, by the way, so don't kill the lead. By the way, don't kill the lead. Uh, no, yeah, you got it. Uh, we uh, so 
our food comes out, Marie and I are chatting, and then Brian comes around the corner. It's like weird, like two finger slide across the table, and it's like stuff. It's like, so how'd that food come out for you? He's like, hey man, looks great, dude. Thanks a lot. And he's like, did you cut into that uh, ribeye yet? No, Brian, it looks great, though. I think we're good. He's like, why don't you go ahead and cut into that ribeye for me? <laughs> I was like, nah, man, listen, no matter how it's cooked, I'm going to enjoy it. I appreciate it. He's like, let's go ahead and cut into that ribeye for me. <laughs> and I just went, I took one slice through, and I was like, looks great, Brian. Thanks. He's like, all right, well, you just call me if you need me. You got it, Brian. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That's, that... Brian sounds like a hell of a waiter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang tight on Texas Roadhouse. I got a good comment about that. But Alan, remember that place we worked at uh, off of Key Highway, Tabrizi's? Uh-huh. We we I both do. served there for a cup of coffee, and their big thing was what you hinted at, Mur, was don't wait halfway way through their meal to ask how things are going. You know the the yeah. the, the annual like, hey, everything all right? Can I get you anything? We up on drinks? Mm-hmm. They say usually get them at about one or two bites in. Because by that point, they'll know if something's wrong, and they can take it back immediately, not halfway through the meal. And there was always some weird moments where you're, you're just kind of standing by waiting, and the person's like, gets it to their mouth, and then has a thought and starts talking. Like, oh, I got to back up. Now I'm thirsty. And yeah, you're kind of like, Jesus Christ, this is such a fucking waste of time. Like every comedy movie where they've poisoned them, but they just like, ah, yeah, so no. can I just let them eat a little bit and then I'll get like yeah, it was it was always weird. To yeah. Brian's credit, I understand why he had to try to force me to cut into my own steak. I get it because there was some other asshole that like didn't cut into his steak, and then Brian was off doing something else, and then it's like, oh, this isn't cooked right, and then you got another thirty minutes, and then you fucked up a steak, and then it can't be sold, and yada yada yada. But Brian was eh, you know, whatever. He got his. He got his 24% tip from me, so he can kiss my asshole. Nice. And you got you got the turf and turf. What did Maria get? A salmon-crusted um, uh, 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 T-bone or something like that? No, she got the <laughs> chicken fried steak with oh, the white oh, gravy. Salad. Yeah. Yeah. But I did not know this. Now, you know I've been trying to eat healthy, so I said, okay, I'm going to get the steak. It is what it is. I don't care. I want a steak. I want a good ribeye. And then I was looking through, and I'm like, okay, mixed vegetables, that's really vague. I'm not sure what I'm getting with that, so I'm going to go with the green beans. Well, the green beans come out, and apparently Texas Roadhouse simply puts their green beans inside a vat of bacon grease, and that is how the green beans are cooked. Not only that, they leave chunks of bacon in with the green beans, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a healthy option green vegetable meal on the side. If you're just simply going to use, uh, you know, uh, molten bacon grease to fucking fry them in. Is that all green beans, uh, almondine or something like that? Green beans know, with they... almonds? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like green beans is one of those ones that like, green beans, look, I, I don't hate green beans, but like by themselves, they're kind of just meh. You know what I mean? Like. So like when I go out and I see green beans on the menu as like a, just a sit- standalone side, I'm like, oh, those are that's coming in like a cup of butter, or like, or ba- you know what I mean in bacon grease with bacon bits all over it because it's kind of just whack. I guess you know what I mean? like I I think like other vegetables like if you're like Brussels sprouts, I get Brussels sprouts. They're not as dressed up and like 
buttery and oiled and shit like that. You know what I mean? Things of that nature. Yeah, but I like a good, I like the earthiness of a good, like just steamed green bean almost. Oh, I, I mean, I feel you, dog. I like, I like, yeah. green, I like all vegetables. Unfortunately, but, when you're going out to the Texas Roadhouse, steamed yeah. green beans aren't an option, bro. That's yeah. fair. And then, yeah. and then I got, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to have the sweet potato instead of fries or mashed potatoes. I'm going to have the sweet potatoes. That's, and then, but then, then Brian, Brian came in, and Brian's like, "Oh, uh, you know, we got some sides for there's some toppings for that." I was like, "Yeah, what you got?" He's like, "Well, we got honey, brown sugar, we got uh, uh, honey butter," and I, I kind of just went, "Ooh, Brian, you know what? I like all those." He's like, "I got you, friend," and then he walked away and came back, and it was just layered with like candy on top, essentially. And then I read the menu, and it said, "By the way." All of our sweet potatoes are lathered in bacon grease before baking. <laughs> I'm wow. like, thousands of calories on healthy dishes. And, and that's probably a station in the in the kitchen, the lather station. The, the bacon lather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one single, you know, five square feet of space in the Texas Roadhouse is nothing but just like bloop, and they put it on a conveyor belt off to the chefs. I have a feeling that your steaks are fried in bacon fat. I don't even know. I didn't even see bacon on the menu. I think they're just rendering bake pork belly down for a cooking ingredient. And I know why it was good, because all the people in the back were of Hispanic descent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, they have the chef's name written on a chalkboard in there. It had a J and I think two X's. And I was like, this is going to be fucking good. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, they all doubled. Yeah. The, the, the name I was going to say, you know, like, it is the newest fucking Honduran in that kitchen. <laughs> just making up some bacon, pouring grease on things. Yeah. Like ladling bacon grease onto fucking green beans. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's one whole station. He's good, it's good living. He Look, doesn't even... Go ahead. No, I think Wes said it earlier. Fucking Texas Roadhouse, man. I, I mean, yeah. I get what you were striving for and trying to be like, let me get a healthy alternative. But you knew what you were getting yourself into. Yeah, I, I you know, I really, I, I cared, but I didn't care. This is, I cared into the, to the fact that I was going to try to, <laughs> but then I didn't care if it wasn't what I, 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 I strove, I strove for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, the new chef Jay and two X's. Yeah, he's the type of guy, whatever the name is, he's the type of person, he doesn't even have to go through new employee orientation to learn the Texas Roadhouse way. He's hired, he shows up, he throws an apron on, he looks at the menu, he shakes his head, he fucking pumps it out. And you cut into it, and Brian's like, that good? And like, mm-hmm, thanks, Brian. You got the dessert menu? Tell tell Chef Juan Zinu that I, I give my regards. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Middle class holes, everyone. I, I wonder if Texas Roadhouse will dabble in the dog peanut butter. I might have to pitch them an idea of a healthier uh, peanut peanut option for, for desserts. Middle class holes, everyone. Foxman, Alan, Murr. Uh, <clears throat> listen, it was a this past weekend was an amazing sports weekend. It was great. It was just, uh, from top to bottom. Uh, the second leg of the triple crown of horse racing, the Preakness, right here in our own backyard, was on Saturday. Post time at 7 o'clock. Bob Baffert, her horse wins. He's tied for the most winningest jockey in Preakness history. Uh, the Western and Eastern Conference Finals of the NBA were in full action. I don't know if you're uh, – I'm not a, a NCAA softball or baseball fan, but those tournaments are going on. Those are a big deal. 
A lot of people don't realize it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend Major League Baseball attendance record. Something like the, the most attended games across Major League Baseball and weekend series, like 40 years. People are coming out in groves. People are enjoying ba baseball again. A lot of this was overshadowed by the PGA Championship. Congratulations to Brooks Kepka. Won his third PGA Championship. Fifth major overall. Did it in, in dominant fashion. This was overshadowed by, and Murr, unbuckle, unbuckle your belt. Loosen up your fly. You're about to get an erection here because this is an underdog story of all underdog stories. I'm, I look. I'm aware, you know, because yeah. of the t because of the TikTok. Like, you know, you can't avoid this kind of shit, man. I saw Homeboy dunk his hole in one. I know. Right. I know where you're going with this. Michael Clock, a teaching slash tour. He's not a tour pro, but a, te a teaching pro who has uh, competed in a few uh, tournaments, PGA, <laughs> semi PGA tours. All over. He teaches outside, of course, he's a pro outside of uh, Los Angeles. He was given one of 24 exemptions by the PGA Tour of America. They do this every, uh, every, every PGA championship, every year he was one. Now, <clears throat> a lot of this, a lot of these people, and actually a vast majority of these people who have gotten this exemption, they play the two days, they meet a couple pros, they shake a few hands, they take some pictures, they go back home Saturday morning, and they're like, no, that was an opportunity of a lifetime. Amazing. I got to play with the world's best. Well, this guy uh, made the cut, okay, and then was knocking on uh, at the door at a top 10, faltered a little bit on holes 13 and 14, needed to make the top 15 to get an exemption to next year's tournament, sinks a hole in one on 16, makes a dramatic up and down on 18, to secure his 15th place finish. Now, this guy is not some schlep, Roy McAvoy, Kevin Costner, extraordinaire, tin cup. Uh, he's like a four handicap. He's shot a 59 before, uh, albeit his home course. So this guy's not, you know, not some weekend hack. He's really, really good. But this was amazing. Merger, your, your, have you have you saw have you softened at all since Sunday? Dude, I look. I I, I love. I love. A, you guys have talked about this before. I think there was a guy in South Carolina who accidentally got an invite because he had the same name as the person they meant to in, to invite to the thing. And I said he should play and see what happens. You're like, nah, fuck that. You should go around, shake hands, wake up on Sunday morning, be like, that was a great experience. I got that experience in my lifetime. And this guy actually fucking went out there and did exactly what I said you should do if you get the invite. And he fucking made the most of it. So yeah, man, I, I was happy for that guy. But I do want to—I do have a small bone to pick with Mister Block and his home, his hole in one. See, everybody's like, "That's a great shot." I want to argue with you guys as golfers. Was it a great shot though? Because when you're trying to put a ball on the green, aren't you trying to hit either beyond the hole and bring it back, or bump and run where it hits the front of the green and then rolls towards the hole? So in my opinion, that was a bad shot that he got lucky on. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, it's a hole in one, so it's like impossible to call it a bad shot. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying, mm -hmm. but in this instance, I think it's like one of those those fucking gray areas where you're just like, nope, it's neither. It's just good. Can't be bad. To to answer your question, yes, you you're usually reading pin placement yeah. and slope. In terms of like how you want to hit the shot. In this case, I don't remember, you know, if that was if that was on an upslope or downslope or whatever. Uh, but typically, yes, pro or you know guys of his caliber are looking to play a a grade of the green with a certain type of distance and then have it trickle, you know, 
towards the hole, whether that be downhill, uphill, side, or whatever, and, and create that type of spin. You don't see the dunk, though. Like no. The hole-in-one yeah. is typically a bounce-bounce-in, or as you mentioned, a little bit farther with a tremendous amount of backspin and it carries back. Yeah, or you just you just get super lucky on you know a couple a break you know break there da da da, da. but the old fashioned balloon yeah I yeah. I haven't seen that dude especially with the flag in like that which obviously it's gonna be but like I mean he did, he fucking Kobe that motherfucker it was, <laughs> like there was like you didn't even he even he was like it's in the hole like it's in because you didn't hear like that clank of it hitting the actual post you're nothing it was just all of a sudden the ball came down and just didn't exist anymore. And it's just like, holy <laughs> shit. So, you know, congratulations to this guy, dude. I mean, that's, you know, and he was all weepy and, and, and rightfully so. I'm not mocking him for it. Like, it's rare to see sports athletes emotional for their accomplishments anymore. And so that's what made it kind of great for me. Yeah. I think like th- th- you can go back over the last like thirty, well, even more than that, like probably forty or fifty years, and dig up guys who who came out of nowhere to win. Okay, guys who were like ranked three hundredth in the world. All right, and and that's impre- winning a major championship, regardless of of you know, where your standing is or how well you are or aren't playing, or whatever is is impressive. But you, like there uh, there was a guy, I think it was like the eighty six Masters, the guy who beat Norman, uh, Greg Norman, on a ridiculous chip-in on the first playoff hole. Uh, hadn't I think that's his only win on the PGA Tour, ever. Uh, and when he, going into that tournament, he was like, I, that ranked like, I don't know, 300th or 400th in the world. I think what this guy did is more impressive than that. How's that? Because this guy's not a touring pro, you know? He, yeah. he was, he's not, he's competed, I think, in a handful of low-level professional events, uh, over the course of the last 20 years. And he's a teacher. He makes his bones by teaching fucking fat retirees outside of Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah he runs a, a club. Basically he's a club pro. It's a club pro. Okay. But like, but doesn't that mean that you are always, if the PGA, I mean, is it really that like willy nilly that, you know, they hand out these teaching pro cards to just, I don't know, like, could you okay? Could either one of you, if you decided, like, let's say tomorrow you guys won enough money off the lottery that you didn't have to work anymore, and you just decided to spend all your time like golfing, and then you got pretty good and you went down to like a, the local country club, could you guys become teaching pros? No, because well, well, Alan, go ahead, Alan. Yeah. So yes, in theory, like any any old regular person, like our friend, our, our fraternity brother, his wife. Her family is like cl- club pros, you know what I mean. So like, yeah, you can absolutely like if that's what you want to do, you gotta be. I forget what like you, there is PGA rules, and you have to like you have to pass certain classes and shit like that. And like, but yes, then you can become certified to be a club pro. And it's just it's it's more than just golf. It's like actually running a golf club. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the operations of a golf mm-hmm. club okay. and shit like that. So like that's what that guy does. Like his day to day life is like lessons to the fat retirees, making sure that the golf club is like running smooth and fucking members are happy and shit like that. Like that's the guy's job. Yeah, it's okay. it's called it's called Q school. Uh, there's a couple of no, credit. That's to become a tour pro. No, I thought. Hold on. So I thought you there's accredited like 
uh, schools that teach you yeah. the business side. They teach you like club fitting, club, you know, how to, how to actually mm. like, you know, manufacture, not manufacture, but fix clubs. Then they teach you the business side, you know, uh, you know, um, day-to-day operations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, lawn, then you have to have like a certain like aptitude of uh, lawn care, you know, what, what, how to manufacture like greens, how to not manufacture, but how to cut greens, how to maintain the property. And then <clears throat> I thought a part the end of Q school is, you play the same course two days in a row and you have to shoot net 160 or below, meaning you have to shoot 80, 80 or below that uh, on, a, on, a, on a PGA Tour rated course. I, I don't know what it is at, as part of the qualifications. The reason I know this is because I had a friend who got caught cheating because he couldn't actually <laughs> – he did everything else, but he couldn't do the actual golf portion of it. <laughs> well, the, the only reason I ask, though, is like I feel like if you put your 10,000 hours in you know, uh, driving – uh, chipping, putting, and then you were actually employed to like teach this to other individuals. Like your skill sets there, maybe your competitive edge isn't there, and, but but maybe you just haven't had the opportunity to show off your competitive edge. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to show off how much ice water you have in your veins. And this guy finally gets the chance to pull that off. Like he's got all the physical tools to be able to perform it. He just never had the opportunity, and then he gets the opportunity, and lo and behold, he. Gets fifteenth and probably wins more money than he would have made in the next three years of actually working. And you know now maybe he can concentrate on it. Maybe he comes back around. Maybe he becomes yeah. a name, a low level name, but a name. They did say he had to, he had to he would have <clears throat> what he earned that weekend would have been the equivalent of like seventeen hundred lessons. Uh, that the yeah. uh, I will say I think I think these guys not all of them but some of them are capable in spurts. Okay, I don't think they're capable tournament to tournament to tournament. For instance, he I think he played today because he got an exemption to play and stunk it up. Uh, so I think these guys are capable again, and and so he was able to do it over the course of four rounds. But over you know weeks, months, years, I just don't think they have the consistency to do that. Like like the That's real fair. touring pros. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was doing some research. And that too. And he got a Go he got a pretty he had a decent sponsorship. I don't know who it was from. Uh, oh, but, I saw him rocking a uh, raisin canes patch on his fucking arm today. So I'm sure he's getting them sweet sweet chicken strips. So here's the That's part here's of the, his deal. That's right. You know here's, what I mean? here's the real conspiracy theory. I, I this got tossed around. Uh, not only in a couple friends chat things that I'm involved in, a couple uh, uh, Facebook golf uh, dealies is that if Liv might make a make a play. For for him, yeah, you know, did he get some st- like a star uh, attraction, um, flash in the pants? Maybe, no, probably not. No, I mean, turns his back to the PGA. P- thank you, PGA, and all the twenty nine hundred thousand PGA professionals like myself. And then Liv just gets that salty money. He's like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> hey, did the, did the guys who went to the Liv uh, event? Did they are they back in the P? Are they back in the PGA? A Liv guy won now, it. Or? A Liv guy won that tournament. Capca. Okay, okay, all right. He just won it. Yeah. So time, that was a real slap on the wrist for two minutes. I think. Well, there was no real slap on the wrist. The thing of it is that they, they, I don't want to get real dorky with with golf. They're unable to obtain world golf rankings, world golf ranking points. Okay, and then if you haven't won a like a tournament, so people who, who are in live who have exemptions. Who haven't won the PGA Championship, which gets you like a, a 15 year exemption, their time's running out. 
if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Whatever. I don't care. I just yeah. think and it's, it's simply because the... it's because Liv doesn't play. They don't do they, you know they do shotgun starts. They do three rounds instead of four. No cuts. If they just did it like the PGA Tour, the World Golf Rankings would then you know recognize them and then give them points. But they don't. They don't no. play the, the the standard golf, quote unquote. It but sounds other, like. But other tours around the world play a similar style to Liv, and not four days of golf and not four rounds. Yeah, and do all of this other shit and get world golf ranking points. Who? So that's why the live argument is that it's fucking bullshit. Who? And one of the live golfers just won a fucking major. Listen, I'm not Good saying point. I agree. I agree or disagree, but who receives world golf ranking points that don't play four rounds? Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you. Who? Oh, me. There's yeah. fucking like I think the Asian tour fucking doesn't always play four rounds in all of their tournaments. I know the DP World Tour has had multiple occasions where they fucking not played four rounds. There is definitely instances of smaller tours that are all partnered with the PGA that don't play fucking four huh. rounds of golf. That I didn't yeah. know. That I did yeah. not know. Okay, I yeah. I've I have sided with Liv to to an extent now <clears throat> the whole thing is like they they jump ship knowing that this was going to be the case and then whined about it yeah I, I, uh, but I, I i mean they're some of the world's best so just fucking whatever you know give them the points and I, I, you can figure it out i'm just well, saying i didn't realize you, that i thought i thought the points because it seems like this is, has outlined that the points is just dumb yeah it's just fucking like you've got the best golfers in the world you want to see them play at these majors let's just let them fucking play yeah, right. no, I, I watched that I watched that Netflix docu docu series, which was amazing, by the way. Which really, it, it, it that, that was a great idea on all parties. Whoever set that whole thing up and sold it to Netflix and all that jazz, it let me get to know these golfers and give half a shit about some of them. Um, it also made me a little more sympathetic to some of the lower level guys that decided they wanted to go over and play because it's like. I got to grind it out week after week, month after month, leave my family, fly on, charter my own private jet with the hopes that I win some cash to pay for it for the weekend, or I just spend $100,000 out of pocket that I may not make up unless I'm good enough to win the next one or at least come in like 10th. And then this live golf is like, hey, man, we're just going to pay you a contract. You get a, you, you get paid the same whether you win or lose. We just People want to see you play no matter how you play. And it's like, no. oh, that makes sense. You get paid whether you win or lose, and you get paid more if you win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, honestly, that's so. That's my wife's theory on Brooks Kepka. Like, because we watched that, that that documentary together. And she was like, my man was stressed the fuck out because he's got this bougie ass wife in mm-hmm. this mansion mm-hmm. in fucking Miami, and he needs to uphold that. And he's fucking playing like donkey dick, and he's not making any money, and he's spending money. And then Live Golf was like, "Do you want this ton of money to just do whatever?" And he was like, "Yup." Now I can focus on my game. He got his coaching staff all fucking back, and he's uh, this guy's winning majors. Yeah, well, he's also hold on. He was to be fair. Now listen, I I agree with you that in part he was playing like donkey dick because. He slipped, dislocated his kneecap, yeah, then, tried to pop, then tried to pop it back in place himself, and then fucked himself up more doing that. Mm-hmm. He tried to Bo Jackson himself, and while he's a specimen, uh, it, Bo Jackson. Bottom line, though, I, that, by the way, the way that documentary went, like matching him up with like Scotty Scheffler, and like being like it, just the tale of two cities right there, like Captain Christian, the the the, the probably the only woman he's ever had sex with, mixed with Brooks <laughs> Kepka. 
With the Brooks Kepka who's like who married like some chick who slid into his fucking DMs on Twitter and is like a OnlyFans model and he lives in like this glass house. It's like what is going on here? This is interesting. I know why people don't like this human being. And it was almost like oh, yeah. It, it it almost made me feel good that he was losing. And then when he was like, yeah, I'm going to go make all this money over here. And whether I win or not, it's going to be like more money than most third world countries make in 10 years. I'm like, I, I, I understand, Holmes. I don't yeah. like you, but I appreciate your your candor. Yeah, he was he was courtside at the heat game. Uh, you know why? Because he had the week off after he won the PGA championship. It's like, ah, fruits of my labor Just, here. There's a fucking video of him. At like, was it the Florida Panthers, the hockey team? Oh, okay. Hockey, and he was, and he's like, so, somebody commented that my man, like, you know, my man is on the fucking booger sugar and just on a <laughs> fucking bender because my man stands and claps for like a solid two minutes. Like it's way too much clapping, yeah. and my man's eyes are fucking the size of goddamn satellite dishes. Like <laughs> when you get and your- it looked when- and. And they were side to side like he was watching a fucking tennis match. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, they're not even moving. They're, yeah. It's it's icing. They're putting the puck on the floor, yeah. on the ice right now. It's fucking intermission, actually. <laughs> he's actually yeah, he's watching like a halftime fucking like I know dog catcher frisbee uh, act. Whoa! <laughs> it's all yayed up in a playoff game. You get your hands on some of that Miami fish scale, bro. If I could change your life, <laughs> change your life. I see. By the way, I see that Savannah Bananas hat on. Woo wee! Look at you. I I reckon it's coincidentally I saw a a short today of one of their batters hitting a fucking single in stilts and then running it out to first base. And I'm not talking about like (laughs) fucking, you know, uh, who was it? Steve O and Jackass dicking around on stilts. These fucking these things made this guy like twelve feet tall. (laughs) These made these things Uh, like he he could like lick the top of a backboard. I forget. I gotta figure out what network it's on. I'll forget. I'll send it to you. Um, but there's a documentary about them, like the tryouts to build that team. Yeah, and like that dude. They talk to the dude on stilts. His whole family's been stilton. His family's been stilton from Appalachian <laughs> since like the 1800s. It's fucking. It's it's, it's wild shit, bro. I there saw was, a guy. That's not where I saw that going. That's funny as shit. His whole family's as to say comes from a long lineage of stilters. Yeah, famous stilters. I saw a video on TikTok of a guy. I guess he played like second base for the Bananas, and he was he just he he gave. He, Here's bananas baseball in two minutes or less. Games are two hours. Period. Done. Doesn't matter what the score is. If two hours, it's it's over. Uh, something about like you hit a home run, like you have to sprint around the base path. If you like, if you slow down, if the fan throws the ball back, they can throw you out at home. Like there's all these amazing rules. It's just like, how is this not successful? Like this should just be developmental baseball rules all the way around the league. They also do. They do. It's not runs. It's so say, Mur, say we're playing against each, each other. Inning. Your team scores five. My team scores three. You get one, one for that inning. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. You play every. Yeah. Every inning counts as as one. Yeah. Almost like a uh, like a boxing match. Boxing like, match. Yeah. yeah. You won uh, that round. Yeah. I guess it's. Like, I watched the ESPN thirty for thirty on it, and it was impressive, um, simply because I, this owner and his wife just poured their blood 
sweat and tears into this to make it what it is. And they have this fucking town. And I say town. It's a city. Savannah's a city in an absolute frenzy. It's just... I watched that because people said, oh, I didn't care about baseball at all. I knew it was a thing, but now I, you know, we have season tickets and we come to it all the time. And as a baseball fan and a purist, when I watch these TikToks of like this, this pitcher dancing to like fucking milkshake or like do that thing in a minute, I'm going to need a sentimental. Then he's balk, 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 balk. And then he throws a pitch and then he strikes the guy out and the crowd goes in a fucking goddamn like a pinata busted open and bananas <laughs> sprayed all over the fucking field. It's just like, ah, I, I might spend 20 bucks on a ticket to like for the theatrics. Yeah. That's the thing. You're getting, you're getting a game and a show. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? You get all it's fucking not even a game. Stuff. You can't fucking suspend belief for two hours <laughs> and just enjoy some entertainment. I think well, it, he, the, the, there's a, there's a certain like WWF aspect to it where it's yeah, not predetermined, but well, you know. okay, I got to throw the first pitch out at a Delmarva Shorebirds game, okay? Like, that's basically developmental league for the Baltimore Orioles. And, yeah. they, like, I can't remember. There, there was somebody that, like, they were rehabbing from, like, uh, like Tommy Johns. I don't know. Like, just name name a pitcher from five, six, seven years ago. And they yeah. were rehabbing. So, like, the, the, the stadium was filled because this person was there and they were going to play, like, a game. And then the next game, they were going to go up to the Bowie Bay Sox, and they were going to go up to the, you know, the, like these teams, these lower level teams like that, like they're not really teams because they're just kind of hodgepodge. We're going to put this person here that needs to be here for this reason and that reason. There's no real, there's no real reason for them to play a season. Like they're not there for like, yay, they won, but that winning doesn't matter. The yeah, only thing I, that matters okay. is the major leagues. I get it. Yes. If if you're there for a long period of time, a season and a half, something's wrong. <clears throat> right? That's what you're getting at. These hodgepodge teams. The goal is to make it to the major leagues. You shouldn't be in AAA yeah. for a season and a half to two seasons. You know, yeah. Obviously, you're not developing in a certain light. I get it. If I, I think if I lived in, like, uh, let's say, I don't know, Wilkes-Barre, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, or Louisville, Kentucky, I would attend those games. I don't need to see stilts and fucking choreographed second base shortstop pitcher catcher fucking dances that are reminiscent of, I don't know, Rihanna meets the fucking Phantom of the Opera to be entertained. Yeah, well, like, again, I don't think you're getting, like, I mean, maybe somebody does, but, like, I don't think this is, like, a season ticket's worth of fucking banana ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, like, a touristy... Maybe one time thing every you know once a month if you live in Savannah and just get all shit faced and go have a good time, like they do have a competitive team that plays in a competitive league, they do the fucking gimmick shit to raise money for said fucking minor league endeavors, mm-hmm. so fucking it is a good cause, just fucking be cool man i, I yeah. listen i i I, <laughs> I applaud the business model i i applaud i i i, I it, no, hold on. First of all, I think that there are season tickets holders. There's a pitch, it's a strike. Pinata busts open. I mean, this is where the fucking guy with the cannon and the hot dog pit should come into play. Except like a pool of bananas, you know. Muddy, mushy, fucking rotten bananas that they didn't sell in the fucking banana stand. 
They should have a blues banana stand, by the way. That should be God. That'd be great. Um, I think no. I think well. Hold on. You say it's more touristy. I don't think there's enough tourists flooding the Savannah area to sell out each and every night during home games. Oh, I mean, how big is the fucking stadium, buddy? Are we like? Are we talking like? Yeah, uh, I think it's like because Kelly has definitely looked into tickets. I feel like it's like twenty five hundred fucking tickets a night. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, again, it's like, it's just a thing. It's like, I don't think, nobody's going and keeping the book. Like, yeah. there's a six seventy five year old couple just keeping the book at the Savannah Banana Ball game. Right. You know what I mean? They might go to the actual Savannah Bananas competitive fucking Gulf Coast League, whatever fucking game. Yeah, but, Dude, yeah this, is the, just a, this is just a thing. 4,000 people. 4,000. Yeah, um, this is the universal circus of fucking baseball. You yeah. know what I mean? Like uh, the, the yeah. umpire like sweeps home plate to like Millie Vanilli and does a fucking full <laughs> split, and he weighs like three hundred pounds and has a beard. I watched I mean, where three pitchers like did the wind up while dancing to some fucking song, like like Wes was complaining about, and then only one of them <laughs> threw the pitch, and it was a strike, and the umpire rung him up. But then he twerked on the fucking guy who he rung up, and that's hilarious to me. I don't yep. see how that's not fun. Like, you know what I mean? Harlem Globetrotters, right? Like, how many kids got into basketball because they went to a Harlem Globetrotters game? It's good for the sport. It may not be the purest form of it, but, you know, neither was NBA Jam. But how many kids got into the fucking playing basketball because... I don't know, uh, Akeem Olajuwon dunked from half court. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess if, you know, some sort of trade such as stilting is coming to a dead end <laughs> and you know how to hit a baseball and stilt or unicycle or handstand and you have the bat in your feet or let's just say hypothetically, uh, you know, a monkey that can play third base, <laughs> it would be a great team. I mean, all the bananas a monkey can eat. There's a rodeo clown. There's definitely a rodeo clown. <clears throat> yeah, it's that right. Oh, yeah. God, they should have more than a rodeo clown. They should have a monkey on the back of that clown. I just don't understand why other developmental teams haven't copied the model. Like, look, I know the Aberdeen Ironbirds are right down the road. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to a game unless, like, I don't know, like maybe Gunnar Henderson gets hurt and is like, rah, no, rah, go warm up. Their, num their number one draft pick is playing there right now, Jackson Holiday. Yeah, and he'll be there for, what time is it? <laughs> and then he'll be on to some other league and right. you'll never see him again. Got about another month-ish, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 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 So maybe you've got four games that have the opportunity to see that guy. Or I could go see, who cares, fucking stilt his way around the fucking base of the path. You, th that's what I'm saying. Every night of the week, and when and when st and when Stilty McStiltenstein moves on to the next fucking level, they'll get another Stilty McStiltenstein to come in yes. and perform the same task. His cousin. He's not as good of a hitter, but he's got the stilts. Yeah. <laughs> All he's right. Quick. He's quick. He's quick on this. He's a little bit faster than his brother, Limber McStiltenstein. Whatever. Now you guys are even thinking he's about quick this. On his stilts. <laughs> Fucking the tryouts must be outrageous. You know what? <clears throat> Better not throw a banana peel at the first baseline. Old Stilton McStilton's <laughs> might go in the DL. 
<laughs> Fucking Donkey Kong style. <laughs> All right. Typically, we save this segment for Before You Go, but tonight's Before You Go, we're going to pay tribute to a former great NFL player, and I'm going to throw this in there, a former great performer and singer, uh, two of which who passed away this week. So on tonight's good bad movie of, we say the month, it's more like every six weeks, it's my choice. And tonight we got a great movie. It's called Airhead, circa 1993, star-studded cast. But let me set the foreground for you folks. A, a, a would-be cup up-and-coming band consisting of Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler, fresh off the heels of SNL. They realize that <clears throat> they're not going to get anywhere touring the jam session club scene in outer greater Los Angeles. So they want to heckle. The uh, would be K, whatever K, 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 Y, Z, X, K, K, X, X, Y, K, 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 R, P, whatever the radio station is. Too many K's, buddy. To play their song. So they realize like they're not going to do it. So they break in one day and then they hold up the station with guns uh, and then p- hilarity ensues. Chris Farley, uh, Michael McKean. Who's the DJ? Christ, I should have had this up. Joe Montana. Joe Montana, Michael Richards, a la Kramer from Frasier, uh, Ernie Hudson. Or Seinfeld. uh, What did I say? From Kramer? Yes, from (laughs) Seinfeld. Yes. Um, Christ, David Arquette. Um, The list goes on and on. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah, Judd Nelson. Sorry, as Jimmy Wig. Jimmy Wing, the the, the station manager. So finally, they're able to... uh, well, they, they, they blow up their, their quarter inch because they don't have it in the station. They have to wheel one out. They're able to find the cassette to play their demo. They get it, gets it done. They have hostages, everything. You know, they don't get the record deal. They end up playing in the jail that they get after they get arrested. Have I set the scene? Have I You've set, the set scene more than the scene. You just did like the entire cereal box version of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that, that was what I'm supposed to do? What do no. You no. Oh. Just to summarize, you got a couple. You got these three juggalos who are trying to get themselves a, a, a music deal. They yeah. can't seem to break through. No one will hear their music for them if they they just knew. A la Boogie Nights and Mark Wahlberg. If someone would just listen to it, we'd have a record deal. <laughs> and they find a way to get the music to the people and win over the hearts and minds of the public. And you know how they find? They do find a way. Water guns that look like guns. <laughs> Which was actually know, a problem in the early 90s. That's correct. That is correct. You know what else was also a problem? Every now and then, if you were a musician who was trying to play a demo for someone who might sign you, you might not have a CD or a cassette, but you might be carrying around a quarter inch, which is a reel to reel. And then that right there, if you guys, Murr, did you watch the movie? Alan, did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, I watched night? it last night. I I did not watch it last night, but I've seen it plenty of times. Some of the verbiage when they insult each other doesn't... They call each other dick face, ass face, dick fuck, ass yes. shit uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Early 90s. Beavis and Butthead, prank call the station. If you remember, remember the hat. That, I was going to bring that up, too. And uh, he, he sends somebody on the way. You, you know, uh, just get out of here. You can get home before the Simpsons. And I'm like, holy shit. As old as this movie is, both of these references, the Beavis and Butthead and the Simpsons reference, are somehow still quasi-relevant. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and it, yeah, the, the, 
late great Chris Farley, who plays a security guard, as you mentioned, Murr, uh, early on, has to go and find. It makes a great, I, just, I hate to call it a cameo. He's got something like 20, 25 lines in there. Well, he, he's a rookie cop. He's trying to play things by the book. And uh, his commanding officer is like, sometimes you got to improvise. And he rips that guy's nipple ring out and he says, what are you doing? Improvising. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, a couple of things that I noticed uh, as I rewatched it. Um, do you realize when or do you remember the scene when they're making uh, uh, requests for things? They just start uh, ordering random shit to then later on that they could plead insanity. Remember this? So just coming up with a re- like yes. request. Yeah. A football helmet <laughs> filled with cottage cheese and, yeah. and nonsense like that. Nude pictures of B. Arthur. Uh, I didn't realize yeah. this. <clears throat> Alan, when I was pledging in the fraternity that we're both in, uh, so, during our scavenger hunt night, someone requested that. And I always was like, what, why did he say nude pictures of B. Arthur? And just watching it last night, I was like, oh, I missed yep. that. I've seen this movie a thousand times. And I, I nude pictures of B. Arthur. Of course, the uh, uh, what's her face from Golden Years. So Golden Girls. Golden, Golden Years. <laughs> She was in Frasier. She made a cameo in Frasier. Uh, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. I'm looking at this and 50% audience score. Now, I, I, my, my whole reasoning for watching it was I looked up the score and because you said it was a good, bad movie. I was like, there's no way this is like bad from any critical standpoint. I watched this last night and some of the shit we've talked about as far as good, bad movies are concerned. I mean, Alan did fucking chairman of the board from a carrot top movie i know completely earned its fucking ranking this to me was a just a solid it was just a solid entertaining movie like nothing Mm -hmm. more nothing less it wasn't trying i almost feel like when you rank something like this did you expect it to win an oscar like the critics who reviewed this like did you think it was going to be nominated for anything other than entertaining like there's nothing wrong with this movie in fact, I found it to be very clever. I felt there were several like uh, plot twists that you weren't expecting. I mean, he was just simply going to the radio station. They were just trying to break in to go like say, hey, can you play our demo for us? And then things went squirrely. Everything, it was kind of like that perfect storm. Uh, oops, I still have these water guns filled with uh, hot sauce in my book bag. Oop, bring that out. Uh-oh, hostage situation. Blobbity, 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 blah. On down the line, it was just a good, solid, entertaining, sophomoreish kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, a couple things that I know. Uh, Michael McKean, Milo, such a great schmuck name. Milo, yeah, it's yeah, a terrible my, name. But uh, of course, he's the 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 big thing is he's uh, without telling any of the employees that that the station's going to soft. Sounds of the rain. <laughs> I'm, everyone's getting fired. <laughs> um, another thing, when um, uh, Joe Montana, Ian, the disc jockey, who's kind of bulletproof, you know, he, he thinks that like I, the, the people, the, the reason you have ratings is because of me. He asked them about their tattoos, and Brendan Fraser's like, "Yeah, I got this barbed wire. I thought that was good, Murr. That you didn't enjoy that." <laughs> um, another great one. Do you remember when? Uh, Michael Richards' character, Michael Rich, yeah, uh, ends up contacting the, and I don't even know, Ernie Hudson's character, they had the authority, but it was uh, the other, like, SWAT team that, that was trying to, like, pen- trying to get in there. Yeah. And it was, I, the, I think, the 
the Ranger Rick sergeant who wanted to overthrow the LAPD or whatever, he ends up getting contacted with him. He says, you're going to be my guy on the inside. Do you, do you have any experience? He goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was in the Merchant Marine. It's like, all right, Marine, good. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't he could only half hear him so every he only he only like he only was able to pause on like the most important words but he didn't flip out and go full on until he heard that the that Adam Sandler was the was a pool boy whom his wife had had an affair with a pool boy which is why he went in full bore that's the only reason he flipped the right. script on it and by the way Michael Richards Full-on physical comedy in that movie. Mm. I, I I think when I first saw it, I was like, okay, that's kind of cheesy. But then after seeing it this time, like, that's a 40-some-year-old Michael Richards. I don't know if I could squirrel around the floor like that. Like, that yeah, was fall, I don't know if that was a stunt man, but th- that fall out of the uh, air duct, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's legit. That's that like an eight-foot drop, man. <laughs> if that was a stunt man, kudos to that guy, because his fucking back is fucked for life. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but as far as the plot of the movie, Wes, why don't you give us a breakdown? As like, like, okay, wh- where would you rate it? In okay, why don't you update the 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 thermometer, if you will? Like, where would you rank it? Uh, like, would you certify it fresh? What percentage would you give it? Like, hold on, what do you mean by certify it fresh? Okay, well, you know, like on Rotten Tomatoes, like you have certified yeah. fresh movies. No, and- I, it's okay. If I'm if I'm basing this Rotten Tomatoes style, uh, I would rank this, and I believe I would compare this to a Detroit Rock City, which I think is like a 71, 72. Like, listen, I, th- this isn't going to win academies. I'm not blown away by this. I understand the laughs, but an 18? Come on. This is like much more quality laughs. Hey, I was trying to think of uh, this actually had – I don't I don't know if uh, – Christ, was it? I don't – not workaholics, damn it. Uh, office Space stole the joke, but in the beginning of the movie, Milo, Michael McKean is telling Michael Richards' character like, yeah, I'm going to need you to come in. Like, oh, yeah, i got some things going on. Like, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah, I can, I can clear some things out. And Sunday. Ooh. Do you love this station? Yeah, I love this station. I'll be here. And and remember in, in office space, yeah. it's like, yeah, you got to come in all weekend. So I would, again, I, I just think the writing of it is is really well done. Is it great? No, but 71. We'll give it we'll go a clean C, C plus movie. Okay. I was going to give it a 75. Alan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think those are, yeah, right, right in that ballpark. We'll split the difference and give her a 73, right? Like Perfect. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's a quality. It's nothing. It's none of their best film, but like it's got a bunch of f- fucking familiar names, some good dialogue, uh, yeah, and some just some good shit housery. What, okay, what would you compare it to? Okay, be- because there's other movies of this ilk that exist that people say, yeah. "Oh, that's a great movie, man." I, okay, like a Saving Saving Silverman. Like yeah. I would say, it's almost in the same category. I said De- Detroit Rock City. I don't know Detroit Rock City. Ooh, you yeah, gotta watch it, man. Kind of works too. <laughs> if we're going by Rotten Tomatoes, I can't call that a good bad movie. But I would say watch Detroit Rock City. Okay. Well, look, the the you might also like on Rotten Tomatoes is kind of crazy, but I'm kind of here for it. Like Police Academy Two, right? <laughs> um, look, look, this is just what's here. Blank Man, which is a phenomenal fucking film. Um, fucking Dracula Dead, Dracula Dead, and loving it. I think that's the Leslie Nielsen 
Dracula. A, yeah, that was written by uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, um, Coneheads, classic. Oh, great movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and and Pootie Tang, also classic. Oh damn! Yeah. Okay. Now I would say I would rank this higher than Coneheads actually, and I enjoy Coneheads. But I feel like Coneheads is a very specific genre for a spare, very specific sect of people that exist. That's fair. Okay, but yeah. and I also want to also highlight like the when this movie was made, radio was still king. So especially for somebody like me who yeah. came from radio, it's like th- 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 it could make you or break you. And it was also becoming corporatized, and that whole like secrecy we're flipping the format we're going to do this overnight on a sunday monday morning you're going to wake up to something that never existed before and we're going to pretend that thing that was didn't exist ever hmm. like that's how that is how that's how that industry was and yeah, why it's a crazy dead and format the, now and another thing i found peculiar is that adam sandler's character pip while you know i kind of <clears throat> He kind of fit the mold of a lot of Adam Sandler characters, especially when Steve Buscemi's character is trying to toughen him up. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my dick in your mouth. Make it bleed <laughs> out your ears. I'm going to stab you. With what? My dick. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, about three or four times in the movie, he tries to like break racial relations weirdly. Yes. The two, the two, he's like, you know, I don't understand you know, if black people don't like me. But the payoff was the the guy, the militant black guy who worked at the station that tried to fix the reel to reel. Like <laughs> eventually, when he's they they take the uh, hostages out of the station, he, the cops end up roughing him up by the vans. <laughs> they let David Arquette go, and yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, yeah. That's right. Well, Airheads, everyone, check it out. Nineteen ninety three. Again, you're not going to be. You're not. Your socks aren't going to be knocked off, but. Few laughs, few enjoyable. The other, this another thing, Mer, when you talked about it, you know, when radio was king, does it withstand the test of time? For people like, say, someone who's twenty five, would they get the uh, same shock value out of it? I think if they're watching it, knowing it's a film of quote unquote nostalgia, then okay. they'll they'll get it. Like they'll get it. Um, also, but I feel like what what was a current theme was the notoriety that they were getting from this kind of like a guerrilla marketing campaign that was going on. I actually thought that Judd Nelson is squirrely and like, like, <laughs> so, like just dripping with like greasy scum that he was, was a hundred percent onto something like this record's going to be gold and no one's heard a song sign yeah. the deal. He was right a hundred percent and he's right by today's standards more than he was right by 1993 standards. Yeah. Like, like, like that. They they drew all the people down to the station because there was this controversy and yada yada yada. They kept the mic on. The the other thing that rang true for me is like, hey man, you've got all this great music. Why don't you play any of it? It's like, oh well, it's not the hits. It's not the hits because you won't play it. Right. Like that's a theme that continues to this day. Is that no one knows it, babe? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No one knows it because you won't show it to them. There's so much great shit out there. The internet has even the playing field for most of the world in most areas of entertainment, which is why all of your streaming services have like exploded yeah. and your movie theaters have died. There was also uh, a pretty good head like while Joe Montaigne's character and the band, for the most part, got along. There is kind of an interesting headbutt of opinions about music, you know, 
even in the midst of like you think they're friends and they're like yeah, this, 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 their, their shit sucks like are you kidding like today's music doesn't really ring loud like and then you know it's interesting while in a hostage hostile situation that they're sitting there shooting the rap about their opinions about music which they love sure but one is writing music that he feels is from his heart and the one's telling him it's not mm. whereas well, the other one's like yeah i mean the lone rangers <laughs> Not That's exactly a great alone. band name. <laughs> I stand by that. I stand by that for all the right and wrong reasons. The Lone Rangers. We can't exactly be. How's it plural if it's lone? Like, Plural-ized who cares? Fuck yeah. That's a great band. <laughs> the one reading, I was reading somebody's fucking like fan and critic reviews, and this <laughs> this one this one just got me. <laughs> and any movie where David Arquette is just hanging out in the background for a majority of the runtime is good in my book. <laughs> <laughs> by the way uh, the one thing i took away from this after it was over is that this movie is ripe for a 30 year old sequel where they've now become uh, the band they always wanted to be and are now on the downslide and yada 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 like a bill and ted kind of thing that was a good point and now you've got academy award winner brendan fraser and then you've also got Adam Sandler, who was the 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 last guy on the bill for that for those three, is now the top dog. Mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi still right in the middle, exactly where he was. Yep. And yeah, and now you make that fucking movie, and you make a shit ton of money off of assholes like us who have nostalgia attached yeah. to this fucking film. The only one, that, the only one that's dead is Farley, as far as I know. Yeah, but he wasn't even a main player. That's right. Oh, and. It, I'm going to leave you on this one. Another thing that I thought was funny is that the blatant uh, domestic dispute uh, in which Brendan Fraser, Chaz or Chet's girlfriend, Kayla, just beats the shit out of him from top to bottom all over the movie, punches him, kicks him in the dick, smashes him with things. And it's just like, yeah, Chet's kind of a verbally verbally abusive boyfriend. So Kayla takes matters into his own hands. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) It just turned up. It's part of the comedy. (laughs) Till all these activists got involved. (laughs) (laughs) Chet put up with it because Kayla was a hot blonde that he loved. Yeah. He was kind of a shitbag. I mean, yeah, I call yeah. total. God, kidding. Worked hard. Airheads, everyone, check it out. All right, let's uh, let's expand our craniums. Let's expand our lone rangerness. Let's become unlone and alone in this vast universe of knowledge with Fun Fact Friday. Let's get to it. Let's hear some mental floss. Amazing facts <laughs> brought to you. By our good friends over at the Shin Splints Recovery Group. Now, the Shin Splints Recovery Group seems to have, uh, they seem to have stalled out a little bit with their membership. And I think it's because you, you haven't gotten into your beach bod form. You know how to do that? By running. You know how you get shin splints? By running. And when you get that pain below that knee and above that ankle, you're going to need, you're going to need a shoulder to cry on. That's where the Shin Splints Recovery Group comes into play. And if you've been sitting on the couch, Letting those shin splints heal. Maybe you've thought about the world. <laughs> maybe you've thought about this great big globe and or platter of ours. And maybe you've thought about discussing it with some other idiots. You can find that at the Flat Earth Science Advocates for Truth. Here it is. Your Fun Fact Friday. Did you know Jeopardy's classic Think 
theme song was written by Merv Griffin as a lullaby for his son. Griffin called it a time for Tony. Hmm. That's the fa na 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 Interesting. Interesting. A time for Tony. <clears throat> they never really said that, you know? They never really gave credit to that. Unless they did one of the speed ones, that, you know, the speed credits at the end of uh, Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. You couldn't read anything. <laughs> no uh, yeah. Think about this, though. Merv Griffin came up with the fucking show. Actually, his wife came up with the show Jeopardy. They, they made the show Jeopardy, and then he also wrote the theme song. One of the most iconic theme songs, I would think, of all time. I mean, was he just, like, singing Tony to bed one night and was just like, oh, shit. We got the theme for the show. I mean, that's just brilliance all around. The man yeah. made money in his mind. <laughs> Probably had, like, it was like a, a Fisher-Price keyboard slash piano that had, like, 14 keys. Yeah. He just sat there and it's like, ding, 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 ding. The kid Go was like, to <laughs> sleep, you little shit. <laughs> Fall asleep, you little motherfucker. Time to go down right now. Fuck so you, I Tony. Your mother. Now. He's asleep. All right. <laughs> nice. Bingo. Did you know Cuba? And North Korea are the only two countries in the world that don't sell Coca-Cola, at least not officially or legally. Hmm. Damn, raunchy-ass Cubans. I think, I, I, think I probably didn't know that. <sighs> Dude, those Cubans got Coca-Cola. What are you talking about? What are you going to mix your rum with? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Malta. That nasty-ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not a country. No. <clears throat> Malta is that. Uh, it's like malt. Yeah, it's tough to explain. I, I, I know of it as something you you can well, you can drink it, but uh, most people marinate like pork in it. You get the carbonation and stuff like that. But it is. It's you uh, honestly, Murray. You can probably find it around the way where you are now. Look for Malta? It in the international Malta M A L T A. It's a malt beverage. It is carbonated. Alan, it's pretty funky fresh, right? Mm, yep, definitely. Has <laughs> it got booze in it? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. So anyway, no. Let's get back to the fact. They don't, they don't sell Coca-Cola yeah. in Colombia. That's nonsense. What the hell is no, that? Cuba, Cuba or North Korea, but I know that you know that old fucking Kim Jong-un's got himself some fucking Coca-Cola classic sitting there underneath his little fucking war chest. Which you is literally he, a war chest. You know what he does? He he cracks open the Coca-Cola and he turns on to a good rerun of Frasier to watch Michael Richards and Kramer do his thing. <laughs> <laughs> and have B. Arthur on there showing her tetas. <laughs> mm, okay. All right. Well, okay. Some, <laughs> some juicier facts here. Did you know? <laughs> the world's narrowest street is Spurrhofer stress and horror? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> the town's harder than the name. <laughs> I'm gonna read this one more time. The world's narrowest street is in Spurrhofstrasse in Reutlingen, Germany, measuring just over a foot at its most narrowest. It barely fits most 
pedestrians. How's that a fucking street? Yeah, yeah I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say that. How's that a street exactly? The, do the Germans just need like lines of sight? I mean, what is a what is what are you taking through there? Oh, yeah, like are there front <clears throat> doors? Is the like people as people's addresses? Yeah, I was gonna say unless mail unless... delivered on that street. It's a good question. It's hmm. a good question. What do you, you, know? what do, you do? You clip it to a. a... A line and you know, te- you know, kind of pull it down like you're doing laundry. Yeah. Foot. Yeah. Unless you're shimmying down the side. Or one of those like shared like mailbox things at the front of the street before people go into their tiny homes. <sighs> and this is in what town again? Oh, fuck you! <laughs> what's the name? What's what's the name of the street again? Uh, the name of the street is. <laughs> Spurr Hoffestrasse. Okay. Mm. Wait, oh, where? that's adjacent to uh, Spear Snikesnithen. I'm yes. familiar with that town. Yeah. That's that's in Reutlingen, Germany. That's right. That's right. I know you're looking this up right. for me. <clears throat> you know what they they get the street Google street image view. They have the Reutlingen Bananas. It's a really good uh, uh, AAA soccer team. Where yeah. they do the shimmy shake before every penalty kick. Okay. That's correct. That's right. Fuck these fun facts. They, they don't even do. Guys. They don't even do good throw-ins. <laughs> it's illegal throw-ins every time. Always illegal. All right, fine. Let's get to number four. This is the quickest fun fact Friday we've ever done. <laughs> Did you know? In November 2021, Heinz released Mars Edition. A limited edition batch of special ketchup made from tomatoes that were grown in agricultural conditions meant to mimic those on Mars. The site for this feat was the Red House, a greenhouse at the Florida Institute of Technology's Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Innovative Design. Weren't, hold on, weren't the attack of the killer tomatoes, weren't they from Mars? Yeah, I'm sure they were, because yeah, there was a time where we didn't know shit about outer space except for fucking Mars, because that's the only thing we could see, and mm-hmm. yeah, and what's your fucking point, Wes? Uh, this team, yeah, growing tomatoes on Mars, we better be careful. That's all. <laughs> well, these were grown in <laughs> fake Mars here on Earth, Just, I believe. This is like 1950, 1950s AI. Yeah. <laughs> careful where you grow them tomatoes. <laughs> You know, they might. You never know. They might come back. And, they might come back to haunt you. They come back to attack in black and white. Yeah, hey, man. That that like this thing could grow to eight feet, and and I don't even. That's weird though. They they could they they didn't have legs, but they didn't roll. You know, they just kind of like globbed, like, like they, kind of job of the hut style. They hopped. Yeah, they hopped. Yeah. Did they? Or were they hop? Yeah. Were they hoppers? They were like little, like. Little, yeah. You know what? Just get get a bunch of machetes. Just take care of that real quick. But uh, you don't find it fascinating that we found a way that at least at least the good folks at the the Heinz Ketchup Corporation were able to grow a food source in a Martian environment. Mm. Why didn't they pass this along to the writers of The Martian? Remember, he was just sitting there using his own shit to fucking <laughs> grow potatoes and then put Vicodin on it. It's true. Ah. Can I tell you something? The Martian's that a good movie, movie, by the way. I, I think no, it's... Oh, like... it's my wife's, literally my wife's favorite movie. Um, I have been subject, I'm not saying I watched it, but I've been subject to that movie no less than 50 fucking times. Mm. If it is on any platform at any time, 
it is being watched in this fucking house. Huh. What about it is her favorite, you think? I think it's Matt Damon's ability to be smarmy in uh, a desolate situation that mm. somehow gets her cockles rolling. I don't yeah, know what it, I don't know. It's percolating. Yeah, something about it. It's not that she's sexually attracted to Matt Damon necessarily. Yeah. It's that she finds it funny that he's in a life or death scenario and is still this quirky cocksucker. <laughs> Space pirate. Matt. Oh, there it is. Look at him. He's such a such a good actor. I will say when he's like, you know, the scientists send me I'll be the fastest man ever. And and scientists don't use words like fastest. They use terms like velocity and 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 they tell me but I like it. Yeah. I'll be the fastest man in space. Yeah. 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 He's just like when he's uh like using someone else's shit to uh uh, as for, as fertilizer to grow the to grow the potatoes. Remember, he's like his the, own shit. No, but the, the first go round, he's using the team stuff because he still has it. And someone that's right. Someone took some real foul dumps. He's like, ah, <laughs> he's like, yo, Hanson. Oh my god. <laughs> I always found that to be particularly funny. It's such a if, tragic. If, if you were stuck on Mars and you need, like ah, got to break open all this shit to to for, you know for. for for soil, for soil, and you cracked open West Fox's tin, you're like, Wah! I'd be like, ha, ha, got him, did it. it. Smells like smells like mustard and dog peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wes again, scooping out the dog uh, peanut butter. <laughs> and finally, did you know, on this day in 1911, composer Gustav Mahler died in bed. Conducting an imaginary orchestra. His last word was Mozart. Weird. Why was that his last word? I don't know, and I wonder how he yelled it. I wonder if he was like Mozart. Like this was glorious, like using it as like a like yeah. a like a sign like a word of adulation, like ah, oh, Mozart. Or if he was like like James T. Kirk and fucking like Star Trek 2, like, Mozart! You know, like he was fucking pissed. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I'd love to know the exclamation behind I, that. I think, you're, I think you're romanticizing this gravely. I think the guy was dying of fucking cancer and he was hallucinating beyond belief. I think he was already yeah. at death's door. So much so that he was like, Winwoods, Winwoods. Bass, bass, percussion, percussion, Mozart! Like, I, I just, I, he was, well, would win, sure. sorry. Yeah. But, Frazier. but, <laughs> me, Bernstein. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe it was the greatest symphony never heard. You never know. Maybe, maybe he just whispered it. He was like, Mozart. Mozart. Like, like, hey, like, or, like he was seeing him, like he was getting to the next yeah. realm and was like, oh, hey. Mozart, I got it. I, I God damn. Yeah. My Airheads version would be Mozart, like Rose, <laughs> <laughs> and then he shit himself. Yeah. <laughs> and that, my friends, is your fun fact Friday. All right, <clears throat> we had uh, we had a couple of passings this week, and we at the middle class holes only pay the. Absolute best tributes. So, long time Cleveland Browns 
social activist, uh, African-American purist great, Jim Brown passed away. Alan, and you wanted me to pass the mic to you. When I said Godfather this. of Soul passed away. Godfather? Boom! Hey! That's Jim Brown? Boom, 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 boom. Get up. Get on up. You can't no. see my feet under here, but I'm going to town. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's sad. that's a sad loss for the music industry, man. You know? <laughs> I don't even know. I had to look it up. James Brown, which you're talking about, passed away like more than ten years ago. More is it more than ten years? Yeah, like I'm gonna five. say like yeah, I was I was gonna say yeah. like oh three, oh six. Oh six, okay, look at that. Yeah. Okay. No, no, not James uh, Brown, the godfather of soul. Jim Brown, Cleveland Bounds running back, who then became actor, who then became social activist, passed away, I think it was like just like eighty one years young. The and that's guy a they shame. Named the Browns after? Nice. Uh, that's right. They named the Brown. They were the Cleveland football team. And then when Jim Brown started just fucking setting records and, and running for, I don't know, 1400 yards in four game seasons, they were like, yeah, we are the, we are the Browns. Four game seasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That kind of sucks. He was, you know, he's a big figure. Um, how old was he? You said 80 something? 81. He was like, yeah, 1934, something like that. I will say, uh, one of the things I wanted to say about him was when when they were doing like the the civil rights movement, long before any of us were born, but trying to be a decent human being and learn things about it, you would see either pictures or videos, and it was regularly Lou Alcindor, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, later Muhammad Ali, and Jim Brown, and all of all of them. He was always there, front and center. Next with uh, with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, hey, I, obviously I didn't grow up an African-American. But if I were to, in, in that time, be like, yeah, that's my guy. That's what I fucking want to be like. I, I get it. I get it, man. And he also had the first biracial uh, sex scene in, in Hollywood cinema. And that lucky bastard got to do it with Raquel Welch. Oh, really? Man, <laughs> yeah, went all the way. Mm. That's like, not, well, no, he didn't fucking he didn't penetrate her. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, so like says it, you exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, though, like, like you know, like it, at the time it, in Hollywood, they could have given him some fucking slug, you know, like, all right, you're gonna touch a white woman on screen. Who is it, Greta Van? Thunder, Cliven, <laughs> like who? The Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he got Raquel Welch. You know what I mean? He got the cream to the cream. He got right. the. He got it all. Yeah, he had yeah, to actually. He was get, doing an interview where he he had to tell her specifically not to do something because it would give him a hard on. Like, he, like okay, you can't you can't kiss or lick around like a certain part of my neck because that will instantly give me. A fucking Jim Brown, Cleveland Browns, fucking. That's, that's, that's my spot right there. Yeah, that's gonna. I will, gonna, my, I will, I will inadvertently yeah. kill you. I will, <laughs> I, will, I will stab you through the abdomen. That's what will happen. You will be launched through the camera crew into the sound. That's, that's saying something in the time of like civil rights, though, right? Like, you don't just yeah, you don't just let some black guy kiss up on any old white lady. You know what I mean? That's Raquel Welsh. That's a, that's. That was like daytime TV royalty, right? At the time, that was 
Raquel ben, Welch no, was like, I, like Hollywood. I, was it Hollywood? At, at that point, because she had done, uh, was it Planet of the Apes? Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. I mean, Bottom line is, look, Jim Brown was like one of these guys who was like a time traveler. He was like a fucking running back from today, set in like the fucking earliest era of the yeah. fucking NFL. And it's I mean, 10 seasons. It's what Barry Sanders based his career on. I mean, in a way, I'm almost mad at Jim Brown for retiring in 10 years because <laughs> fucking Barry Sanders is like, nope, that's how long it took Jim Brown to set his records. This is where I call it a day, too, even though he had another five fucking seasons left in yeah. him. And so, yeah. like, like he set the standard for what that position should and could be. You're absolutely also, right. Like, Go ahead, Down. I was going to say, I mean, kudos to them for calling it quits because, like, look, he lived to 81 and he could still eat yogurt. And fucking, you know what I mean? Like, but, so like, it could have just kept going and not been a lot. We'd been doing this fucking ten years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, okay, so one of the prototypical wide receivers of like the seventies is Fred Blitnikoff. I don't know if you guys are like you can look that up. Yeah. He was a short white guy for the Raiders. That guy could not be a wide receiver today. No, I'm not saying – I'm not taking anything away. There's a Bolitnikoff Award in the NCAA for the best receiver of the season. My point is, is like when you say, like, okay, these guys were great, but if you, if you transport them to today's NFL, no shot. Jim Brown, fuck yeah. That guy's still a really good running back. Now you might have to teach him a little bit about the receiving game and, and you know certain aspects of it. But like, yo, okay, I'm going to hand you the ball and you're going to hit that A-gap and just fucking smash that linebacker's teeth in. Like, yep, okay, six yards. It could, it could still happen. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Jim Brown's one of those few players from yesteryear that you could just transplant in today's game and he'd still be a top 10 running back, if not the best running back in the league. Like, and that's, that's a very rare thing to do. Like Tom Brady, you send him back in time, still the greatest NFL quarterback that's ever fucking existed. Now you take somebody, I don't want, I don't want to name names cause I don't want to get fucking like raked over the coals, but you take some of the greatest quarterbacks from back then and put them today. They're Blaine Gabberts, you know, like they're not they're, They can make the team, but they may not be what you hope they would be. <laughs> Wait, I got to throw the ball 24 times. Jesus, the fuck is this? It's insanity. It's Where's insane. Jim? I'm supposed to hand it to him. This is over two. This is two games, right? This is two games worth of stats. Yeah. Two games worth of attempts. Like, why are yeah. there even this many pass plays in the playbook? It's, it should be two, three tops. Uh, there's a really good. And Alan, I had mentioned this to you when we were playing golf on Saturday. This is UFC one, which got. The sanctions somewhere in bumfuck Colorado because it's the only place that they could get the actual like the the state athletic commission to sign off on it, yeah. uh, and they host this event where they're going to like put together the UFC that we know of today. Number one was this martial art against this martial art: wrestling versus judo versus karate versus I don't know six hundred pound sumo wrestler versus uh, it's, it's fucking judo. You know, some, Judo, someone who smashes coconuts over their heads and runs into the ring <laughs> versus the ultimate warrior, WWF. And they they have a a play-by-play and color analyst team ringside. And then they figure like, yeah, we need to get someone in here to spark things up. Jim Brown. <laughs> they had Jim Brown. He was a... 
He's like, oh man, someone's getting the shit kicked out of him in there. <laughs> someone's getting fucked up good. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. It's good. It's, it's a solid pickup, you know, for for marketing in yeah. 1993. That's right. Oh, J- JB, you're not doing too much. You want to come uh, watch people get the shit kicked out of them? Talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just sure five grand. Watch, do you want to watch this Brazilian guy spend a total of like three minutes choking people out in the ring? <laughs> it's gonna be fucking great. Light on his back. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know what a what. A, yeah, he didn't know what a real naked choke was, and he didn't know what a tap was. He's like, yeah, he's patting him on the back, telling him he's done a good job. Look at that. He's doing a good job. He's turning blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, rest in peace, the Godfather of Soul. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I, do do we do anything about Tina Turner? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. That, other than the fact that her husband is mentioned like I don't know seventy five thousand times in rap lyrics about men beating women. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, like everybody talks about Tina Turner. If Ike was so bad, why didn't she change her name? Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I mean, well, it's kind of like marketing, though. It's like branding. Well, she Tina, she was Tina Turner before Ike, right? Maybe. No. Oh, did Ike, Ike take her yeah, name? I guess Ike Turner. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like the white stripes. No, no. I mean, I I know what you're saying, but like, what does she perform as prior to fucking? She didn't. That's the whole thing. Ike, uh, Ike got mad because everybody loved Tina, and uh, he, yeah, you know, like he he got a little upset because she was getting all the accolades, and he's like, I formed this shit. I'll tell you what, though, you know, Ike and Tina, man, that shit slaps. <laughs> yeah. I don't know their story like that. Shit slaps. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for the domestic violence joke. Come oh, yeah. on. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just like there, there was a handful of people that uh, I, 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 uh, I know personally who saw her perform live and people who in the, I guess, like uh, socialite world who I respect, who said one of the greatest live acts they've ever seen. Oh, dude. I mean, those legs, man. She might have died at like eighty something. But those legs were thirty five. Yeah, I mean, that was th- those things were insured because they were glorious. I, I'd actually, when we get done this show, I'm probably going to be looking at a lot of Tina Turner leg shots on the old Bing image search. <laughs> mm. Solid. <laughs> no joke, man. Good late night choice. <laughs> oh, and and th- if without Tina Turner, there would be no Thunderdome. Think about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the, the, the shittiest Mad Max movie by far. <laughs> did she do anything else? Did she do any other acting? I think she did some. I mean, but I think by the nineties, she was dried up in the the old the old acting biz. But she never lost the voice. I mean, the voice was yeah always that loud, raspy fucking thing that it is. Yeah. Well, rest in peace. One of the greatest live acts of all time. According to other people, some people. According I know. to people that are not us. <laughs> no, according her. to people that are not us, eighty-three. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. All it's right. Solid. Do we have any parting words? Bye. <laughs> rolling, 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 rolling on the hill. Good night.